Welcome to the Sprocket <laughs> Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today... Today. Today. Salem. Not the not the three musketeers. What are the, we? I, I always three I like that. amigos. The three amigos. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was missing something. Yeah. The three amigos return. <laughs> and and we're talking we're talking a little bit about Salem today. This is true. Salem. It's not so bad. <laughs> it's because it's not so bad today. That's good. I, I I'm still. I'm still in the habit of saying, like today in the studio we have. But I guess you're you're in a studio of sorts. In the virtual studio, yeah, I've got yeah. some of the sprocket uh, gear set up here, and I'm I'm sitting in my basement, which will be my basement for about another four weeks. Oh, this yeah. is your old place. This is my old place. Yeah, okay. I don't have a basement in my new place. So you've got like uh, your total so, biohazard zone. You can just go for. Yeah, I'm I'm all tucked away just in case the apocalypse actually occurs. <laughs> um, I'm I'm down here. Yeah. In in the next few weeks. In the next few weeks, yeah. If that if it doesn't happen here, then I won't have a basement bunker I can be in anymore. <laughs> well, we'll cross our fingers for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I am in a flood zone here. A funny thing oh. is, I'm nowhere near uh, a creek. Well, I guess there is a creek that kind of winds through the neighborhood, mm. and like technically, the place I'm recording from tonight is a flood zone. The house that I just bought is not in a flood zone, even though it's right next to a ditch with a creek in it. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's, a, that's a neat creek that you're by. Um, yeah. I had experience yeah. with that creek growing up for you a did? little bit in Salem. Tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, I don't think... I mean, it's. I, I think the, uh, the veil of secrecy is so unimportant in this, I'm just going to say it's Pringle Creek. Oh, okay. Because uh, there's only a few creeks in Salem, anyway. So, well, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of creeks. Things like, there's, there's just yeah. not like, uh, yeah. It just depends on where you're at. I feel like, right. And I guess I'm not afraid to say it because, like, if one of our listeners shows up, there there are worse things that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I just uh, so like you could live by a lot of creeks in Oregon, and I would say the same yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> but that was, I think, the first creek uh, of that size that I ever saw people kayaking in. Okay, so that's been the question because uh, Adele and I, and we're thinking someday when Cyrus is old enough to like you know to not drown by going in a creek, uh, that yep. we could all get in there in a boat and just kind of ride that to wherever it takes us. But you've done this? I haven't done it, but I've seen people doing it. Okay, um, so okay. I would I would still be in the like, I guess check in on it a little. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would suck to get hit in a strainer or a fence. Um, right. I'll I'll bet you it's it's a, one of the yeah. It, you know, it's a good creek for it if there is sure. anything like that. Uh, and you can get under the bridges would be the big one I, I would think of. Yeah. And back when the podcast was first being recorded, uh, Brandon Rhodes and I lived near Springwater uh, Corridor, the, the creek there. And then um, uh, was it Johnson Creek? Is that right? Johnson Creek, um, yeah. yeah, Johnson oh, nice. Creek. We always had uh, visions of hopping into that creek one day and just like, you know, inflatable rafting all the way down to the Willamette. And, uh, you know, there were various reasons that that might or might not work. 
And some of it had to do with like how much submerged metal there might be in the creek. And then, you know, the other parts were uh, whether or not you would in fact be able to actually make that, you know, does the creek go through any culverts that are too, um, that, that you couldn't get through basically, or like, would you get right. stuck in the middle of one or that sort of thing. Um, and so it, creeks of a certain size, I am curious for anybody who's done like a kind of urban kayaking, urban adventuring, uh, and not like, uh, do you guys remember Jackass, the television show, had uh, the urban kayaking segment, which I think they filmed in no. Oregon. Oh, really? And they, it wasn't like actually kayaking in water. They just like got into kayaks and then they like threw them down staircases and stuff. Oh. Um, and that's, that's a different kind of urban kayak. No. I like yeah. that. It was uh, one of the best segments, one of the better segments of that show. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, just in general, I'm very curious, like, kind of how all this comes into play when you figure out like can this be done can you get into a boat and ride this anywhere or or is it just water coming from a mysterious place and going to a mysterious place honestly with something like johnson creek i would be surprised if it hasn't been done right at least once yeah yeah um i mean there's the flotilla days with um uh sisfail and his crew uh, oh the, sure the dropouts and i don't know if they went they they mostly went down the columbia right that sounds right and i'm trying to remember or was it the clackamas because we had we had them on to talk about that right yeah yeah it's been just long enough that i've forgotten some of the details <laughs> right. but i it was a long slow float down a, a largely languid section of river i think you can you can do a lot of floating in a little bit of space um, it's true yeah we used to float the irrigation ditches when I was a kid, and those will get tiny. Um, and a lot of them, you just kind of like, depending on whether it's sort of a constant flow or whether they're just starting to flood the pasture, um, a lot of different things can happen. But you can do it in like you what, three, four inches of water if you're a kid. I don't know. Cyrus might <laughs> right, be okay right. in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we should probably put the disclaimer out now. Do not let your children near water unless you know they can handle it and they have the appropriate flotation gear. But uh, absolutely, it's it's one of those things where like there, there's not that much water. And I, Aaron, you and I uh, have been in the industry. Uh, have you seen the video of uh, a school bus being swept downstream? Yes. Yeah, because that and it doesn't. One of it also things, doesn't take much for. It doesn't take that much. No, and that's yeah. why in this video I'm thinking of there is was a school bus driver who's driving a school bus through like flood stage waters, and the street's been closed. So number one, that's that's your kind of sign not to do that, I guess. But the um, the way that it was all put together, uh, just like that much water can pick up uh, what like a, a multiple ton vehicle and just sway, sweep it away. Yeah. Um, so that means that yeah, that happens for bad, but it can also happen for good. You can get whatever you've got and you can have a lot of fun with it. Now, Guthrie, when you were in the irrigation ditch, the irrigation ditches are controlled waterways as well, right? Yeah, they're controlled at different levels. Um, and you sort of have, I, I don't know what the technical system for it is, but you have ability to draw off of the, off of the main flow, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. like at least where we did, it was typically in, uh, places where it's running as kind of the either county or city water supply, um, but it was okay. open and there would be different like gates where uh, the water could be directed from there out to the pasture. So depending on who was putting water in or who was um, closing water off, you would have different sections of the town that you could float a inner tube in. We used to go over. Oh, yeah, you guys would know um, Moffat, the old bus operator out on the east side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they we know. would go over to their 
place and get these old bus tires, which worked great for it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> they just had like leftover tubes. You're like, hey, take this. Uh, we won't have to throw it away. You yeah. inflate, you sit in the water, you, you float. So did, was there like a distance record? How far could you go? Um, you know, distances as kids are so different than when you're <laughs> a little miles, bit bigger. Millions of miles. I, in my mind, miles. In reality, <laughs> probably like half a mile to a third of a mile. <laughs> sure. You know, you kind of go because it, it, that was the thing, right? Is you were, you know, it was fine to float, but you also had to have the know how to get yourself out if you saw the fence line coming because it's barbed right. wire fence or it's electric fence and okay. you either play the i can get under it game usually if it's an electric <laughs> fence um, electric limbo <laughs> yeah <laughs> or or you play the no i'm gonna take this out game because it's a barbed wire fence and like so you, you just kind of had to get out if that was the case and you could either go yeah. over the fence at that point um or you could turn back and take another run just depending on how the run out went you know if it was going out yeah. to the pasture you get like really good flow at the beginning of your ride but it peters right. out relatively quickly um but in the I'm main drainages the, it was great yeah, go ahead uh, i'm sorry i just got really no, excited I just, <laughs> of course no it was naturally it's to be excited about i grew up going to see relatives in Ephrata, washington uh where they, my relatives still live and that's uh that's a farming town it's kind of on the plains uh plains lands and um i remember there were these irrigation ditches just going through town they're they're a good what uh, 10 12 feet wide or something like that there's a lot of water going through them at the mm -hmm. time when there's water going through them um is this the same kind of ditch that uh, that you experienced yeah it was um i think an enterprise mm -hmm. a little bit more than lostine and there was like one or two places where you just didn't put in at that spot you know you totally could but you could just tell uh there was enough machinery around it and like maybe a fish <laughs> catch or something like that uh that you, you can't get there from here yeah or or just like that you, you had to know where the limit was for putting your you know six-year-old self into bodies of water kind of like uh like different classes of rapids right like you don't go over class five unless you're uh, either you have a death wish or you really know what you're doing yeah and but, like if you get caught putting in at the lostine river uh you get chewed out because like you're not supposed to do that oh, <laughs> but the bigger the, the bigger kids would so you know hey <laughs> all that jazz <laughs> force of law versus force of habit sure or peer pressure or what have you right right if all your kids or if all your friends were uh, were jumping off of a bridge into a controlled waterway would you do the same and the answer is yes <laughs> yeah of course but yep. we're not telling you to do that we're telling you that you should avoid those situations because to do so would be wrong yes it would and uh, uh Aaron, did you did you grow up near any waterways Aaron? oh yeah michigan okay. man all right so did you was are these yeah. also irrigation ditches or is it uh um, you know, our irrigation ditches, I don't think we're as large as your irrigation ditches, maybe. Okay. Well, maybe I'm thinking of drainage ditches, which I maybe are not the same. Right. Thing. Um, we had a drainage ditch just out by the front of our house that, you know, went the length of the road, you know, for several miles and we never floated them. But in the winter, they would freeze over, and you would Ooh. just you would just walk them. Or if you had a particularly dry summer, and it was like all dried out, you could still like walk through them, you know, and pretend like you're in the trenches of World War One, and you know, fun stuff like that. Perfect. <laughs> it's like that movie about 1917, title of which I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, I see. Oh. It's my favorite joke. I don't have the trombone on this uh, sound pad yet. <laughs> We're not ready for internet 2.0. Uh. Uh, so I, I was thinking about kind of the various adventures that I could possibly have. And uh, again, the aforementioned Pringle Creek is a piece of uh, Mill Creek. And uh, my thought is that someday, if, you know, assuming I get to live there for a while, that my son Cyrus has just learned to throw sticks off the bridge now. And I'm thinking as he gets older and gains ability and stamina and all that to like have longer human-powered adventures, I'm thinking, first of all, we go and like visit the next bridge down or something, right? Uh, and then we maybe trace uh, the path of the creek through town. And then maybe eventually we can like bike out or hike to the headwaters or something like that, trace the whole route of the, of the creek. Mm. Um, by looking at the map, I found out that uh, it, it does have headwaters that are maybe, I don't know, 50 miles away or something like that. So it's like, you know, potentially a good day's adventure or something like that. Um, but that, that's a thought that I had anyways was, now, now that I'm connected to this body of water, my, my life is going to be uh, kind of built around this body of water that maybe right. uh, maybe we can plan some adventures based around that. Yeah. There's um, a couple of really good floats. Uh, the North Fork of the Sandy Amp is kind of one of the kindest, not super extreme rivers that still gives you a really good ride. Um, <laughs> Just like, that perfect balance. It's it's good. It's, 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 it's a river, but it's not too much river. Um, I think a lot yeah. of the rivers around Portland can either be like really far towards one or the other extremes Mm -hmm. um unless you travel out further than that and then there's a really neat float that you can do if you have somebody with a shuttle is to go down to the ferry in uh not from independence you could do independence to salem and then you can do salem to the wheatland ferry on the willamette river yeah yeah and that's a super fun nice nice lazy float um but both super i would like if anybody offers you should take them up on it absolutely yeah um i don't know it's been if if we have talked about it on the show, it's been forever. Um, but I was thinking about Aaron. Did you ever do any of the transit enabled river floats that we did back in the day? Oh, I was thinking okay. of those though. Yeah, yeah. And Guthrie, I don't know if you've had any experience with this or not. I know for uh, river floating, for a lot of people, it does involve uh, your own personal car because there's really no other way to get to the access point. Uh, but in the Portland area, it's and possibly another enough. driver because well, yeah, someone yeah, to meet you on your out. Right. And yep. you all need to be able to fit into the car that will take you to the higher points so you can put in. Um, if that vehicle happens to be a TriMet bus, uh, that was the way that we did it uh, <laughs> nice. several times. And I was really interested. It, you know, I, I've been, uh, you know, uh, just a transit nerd and map nerd, every, everything for years and trying to figure out as a person who didn't own a car for years, like, hey, can we still go out and have river adventures? And, um, at least on Saturdays, the line 30, it was a 30, uh, the bus would go out towards Estacada. You could take that bus out from Portland, uh, you know, in tandem with several other buses, I guess. Uh, and we had inflatable rafts in uh, like milk crates that we could pack up and haul out. You wear the life jacket so that uh, you don't have to worry about leaving it behind and just uh, look, look like a goof on the bus while you're going out there. But, um <laughs> We'd carry all the stuff with us. Inflatable raft meant that you didn't have to worry about a big bulky thing. Uh, you just blow the raft up with the pump when you got to, say, Barton Park. Is, you know, Barton to Carver is a really popular float. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could get there using the bus. And then when you got out, uh, either Carver was close to the same bus line or if you did an all-day thing, High Rocks down in Gladstone was like 
an eight hour float or something like that. Like maybe oh, nice. longer than most people want to go out, but you could also catch the bus back making it like a what 15 hour day or something. Uh, but you could hop out and uh, get on a bus there to get back to uh, Portland proper. And so, yeah, we did this. I'm trying to remember like three, four, five times uh, just uh, with various groups of people hopping on the bus, uh, getting out, uh, doing it and usually in good weather. I think one time that we did that, it was kind of like a cloudier day and it really wasn't as much fun, but we had to do it. So, because once you're out there, what, what yep. are you right? Do? <laughs> and it only cost you five dollars for bus fare. That was really, you know, after you after you own the inflatable raft and the life jackets and, and all that stuff. The, the only trick is if you buy like a cheaper raft. We had a Coleman. Coleman makes fine products, but uh, one of those things is not oars. Their oars were just <laughs> like pitiful pieces of of uh, broken equipment. By the time we were done with with all those adventuring, uh, we were able to buy new paddles and oars and that right. sort of thing. It's one more thing you got to carry, but. Uh, um, yeah, I remember like trying to use sticks and stuff, but yeah. So Guthrie, have you ever <laughs> nice. done any sort of like transit enabled river adventuring? No, but I have been really wanting to, uh, and also transit, uh, via bike related as well. Um, right. we've been kind of chatting behind the scenes on the sprocket and I don't know, I don't know if it'll happen, but I, I just am like very much in a wanting to soothe over whatever is happening in the world right now by possibly going <laughs> N plus one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, and you were going to go to New Zealand, and and going to New Zealand seems like it's it's a much more difficult proposition now. So yeah, uh, we'll you got to do something with with all that time and energy, right? Well, uh, what got me really inspired was uh, a filmmaker by the name of Ilhan Gorgiev. Gorgiev, uh, yes, I butchered his last name terribly. Uh, mm-hmm. He started a series about five years ago, biking from uh, the northernmost city in Alaska down to uh, the bottom of South America. And Whoa. I had reached out to him like five years ago at that point um, for a film by bike, but then had followed up with him a little bit more recently. Um, and he has pretty much made it. But one of the things he's been doing is he's been bike rafting. And so oh, nice. he has some just amazing shots of him, like in the middle of nowhere in Chile um, and throughout those those travels that have just been They've been. I, I don't need to watch nature documentaries this week because I've just been soaking those up. Um, <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So if anybody's like up, feeling up that alley, they're very relaxing and uh, an excellent way to spend about an hour. Um, so I, yeah, I've just it's gotten me thinking about, you know, like we're thinking about a lot of things that are bucket list or just like, oh, I wish I'd done that before. Uh, you know, whatever set in. And I think it's making me think about being really excited to do some bike rafting or bike raft packing. Um, yeah. If I can pull it together at some point in the nearer future. May yeah. I ask what kind of bike he was using? He is using like, a Fatback Rhino, uh, which is their aluminum framed fat bike. Uh, so Fatback is an Alaskan company based out of Anchorage that typically makes uh, race and endurance-specific fat bikes. And <laughs> I haven't fact-checked the story, but uh, their website indicates that they were basically the first fat bike manufacturer. Um, and looking at some of the photos, like... Intriguing. I, I, I could definitely see... Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I could see that claim because they have some of the older images when they used to take a 150-millimeter like, axle and they would stack together three 26-inch mountain bike wheels with big tires on it to form the fat part of the tire right. for the fat bike. <laughs> That's um, impressive. Yeah, so they've been making them for, it looks like, at least 12 or 13 years plus. 
and they um, do a real bang up job. It turns out. Um, so wow. yeah, he he got yeah. uh, a bike that he is riding now from Fatback up in Alaska. He, um, but he, re- I think he rode a um, Surly Ogre in his time through Alaska, and then he switched to more of a gravel bike, which mm-hmm. I haven't watched that part yet. So I think he rides that through the uh, Great Mountain Bike uh, Divide route. Um, but yeah, no, it's just. Yeah, <laughs> it's very inspiring, um, and he's supported on Patreon, so he gets to just head on down right. and uh, bring some amazing world back to those of us at home. Yeah, it's this is one of those times in life where it's really nice. Is that somebody who's out doing stuff right now? Uh, he usually posts an update about once a month. The last one was two weeks ago before COVID hit that area. Um, okay. So I, right. I think he's kind of in a holding pattern right now. Um, and sure. if anything, he's a got lot a lot of footage are. he's been yeah. sitting on. Yeah. Just highly, highly recommend that if anybody's looking to check something out. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of interested about other bike tourists who've been out when all of this hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, probably got to be a lot of people out there who had some sort of plan of some kind. Yeah, and Eric this is certainly and, early in the yeah early in the the season. But yeah, Eric and Annalisa, I believe, were still in India. Are oh, were they? Were looking to get home, but they were stuck for a long time. Oh, I goodness. haven't seen haven't seen the most recent post. But oh, I that was I was not on the radar with that at all. Oh yeah, um, I guess because they haven't yeah. I hope I hope it goes okay. Um, I've been looking at a lot of bikepacking forums and have just kind of been looking at what strategies people are taking. Um, mm-hmm. Most folks are going the head home route, or if not that, the shelter in where they're at route. Um, I think, as far as I could tell, the folks the folks that uh, had reached a point in their trip where they're like, "Yep, this is satisfying," and yeah. um, were able to do that did, and then the rest of folks. Who maybe felt that they could you know weather it and then come back uh made that call too but yeah it's a really tough call to make i think especially if you're traveling internationally yeah international adds all kinds of layers uh especially if you're trying to get back like if you are uh u.s national and you're trying to get back to the u.s uh, it, i mean there's it really travel isn't a thing that most people are doing right now and if right. they are it's not for fun most times but yeah, um, it's interesting. I was reading this article about people living in vans and how um, you know, even if you're kind of off the grid, as you might say, um, you're still depending a lot on going to like places to get showers, right? Or yeah. going to places to get groceries or that sort of thing. And you combine that with there was the one big high-level story of uh, people who were... It was like a Canadian family that was fleeing Toronto or something like that to go to some place in the Yukon. And the, the Yukon town just kicked them out and said, nope, don't bring your dirty, filthy germs in here. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I never read that one. Yeah, it's just it's interesting oh, to, me to think about how... I mean, you know, whether it's justified or not, there's a lot of people that are very cautious right now. Yeah, and so you know, thinking about uh, the the thing in the article, it was a it was a lady who lives in a van, and she was writing about uh, her experience, just kind of trying to figure out how to get um, how to get her basic needs met, and and realizing that most of us, even when we think we're off the grid, end up we're, we're still pretty reliant on certain services in sure. towns and whatnot. So most of us are not uh, survivalists; we're just nomads. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's an important <laughs> distinction. 
and I like to think about myself as a survivalist, but then like, you know, you give me like a, a day where my hot water doesn't come on fast enough. And I'm thinking like, Oh, this, this sucks. And you know, there's <laughs> a lot worse out there than that. But yeah. It eventually turns yeah. into a problem that, that you might have down the road if, uh, if you're not well prepared. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a tricky time to be an adventurer. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely. You know, all this adventure talk is making me thirsty. Do you guys have anything that you're drinking? Oh, I am. I'm, I've actually mixed a combination of LaCroix lime with uh, an old, like three-week-old Sprite with uh, ginger in it. Nice. A three-week-old open Sprite or just like a three-week Sprite? Like, um, it was bottled No, it was, it was open and then we forgot about it in our Okay. So Did it I age decided- well? Uh, actually it did and it tasted <laughs> so it was like this weird like sodas are trying to remarket or rebrand themselves coke is mixing all sorts of different flavors with it um, it's got to be more interesting now. yeah it's not just yeah. like hey this is full and, of corn syrup you and love so corn syrup. right exactly <laughs> no so uh sprite was doing this thing where they put ginger in their sprite Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I bought a bottle of that and it wasn't yeah. it, Sprite's just a little bit too sweet for me. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't that great. But um when it's three weeks old and open and semi flat, <laughs> it mellows out a little bit. Yeah, no, the ginger actually comes through a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Guthrie, what you drinking? I have a Lagunitas India Pale Ale. Which is oh yeah, mostly killed by the green screen software. Yeah. I was going to uh, say it's it's being uh, it's being masked by uh, by your background on your Zoom screen. It's just shy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the... it's a shy India Pale <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, and this was actually from our local corner store. Um, there you go. But you know who else? I'm pretty sure you can get this beer from. Oh wait! Well, what do you I, have, I have a couple ideas. Yeah. Oh, I. Well, this is what I'm having here. Okay. Uh, this is. Uh, this is a. Uh, uh, you can't really see it with the light. I'll. I'll just it says it ritual. Here. Yes, it says ritual zero proof gin alternative. Um, I'm having what? it without juice tonight, but it's. Uh, it's basically it tastes like gin, and it's made by the same people that make that fake whiskey I was drinking in our happy hours with uh, Tim Mooney. Uh, yes. And it's not bad. It says it's made by drinkers for drinkers, and yet drinking it does not make me a drinker. So, what is in it? Let me tell you. It's um, Siberian pine, coriander berries, angelica root. I'm not sure what that means. Hemp leaves, um, sweet basil, and English cucumber. Oh, and then there's huh. even more juniper berries, green lemongrass, capsicum fruit, green peppercorn prickly ash and peppermint leaf so it's got uh all the things i think that all the flavors you would expect in gin, yeah. uh especially that um juniper right and it's pretty good and, and uh, again the burn comes from peppercorn and i realize that every fake like liquor thing that i've ever had especially I, I, i'm just kind of getting my feet wet when it comes to like alternative like like non-alcoholic uh hard drinks i guess but um, I didn't even know such a thing existed. Neither did I. And I have been I said, hey, a non-drinker all my life. Yeah. Well, I got to I got to pass some of this on to you and see what you think of it. <laughs> this will be um, interesting, especially yeah. since I don't have much of a context for what gin or scotch or anything of like that right. tastes like. 
Yeah, but it's not bad. So uh, it's got kind of that burn that you like uh, if you do like whiskey or, or liquor of any kind. Usually, the one, part of the ritual, right, is the burn, and apparently that's what they put in this in this product here. But what I'm really wishing is that there was some place I could go to get a nice cold beer because uh, when this year is over and I'm back to drinking, uh, it would be certainly very nice. You guys know of any place that might cater to my wishes? I do know of a place. It's on the corner of 12th and Division. Is that right? Yes. Where there's Guthrie. a stick on the ceiling? Yes, there is a stick on the ceiling. There used to be sports with sound. Sports with sound, right, until sports uh, didn't happen anymore. Sports don't happen anymore. I so guess that's also no sound. Lining, right? yeah, it's, 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 uh, either, either if you I wasn't going to say it. Lining, but, but also, I guess, like, if they can't have people in, at least nobody's missing the game. Uh, that's they're, true. They're not worried about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. But uh, one thing that I, I was thinking about today, I saw a little post. Um, they, uh, they're a big fan of certain kinds of beers, and uh, they were just talking about, hey, we really like this one beer. Check it out. Uh, it was a nice Instagram picture of uh, of a, a glass full of ale. But then they were also saying, uh, unselfishly, hey, you can either get it here or you can buy it from anybody else you know that sells beer in town. And they called out a couple of bottle shops, competitors, nice. traditionally, you might say. But they were like, hey, uh, you know, we are, uh, we're all in need of some business and you should come by. So beer mongers, just like every other respectable bottle shop in town, currently offering a curbside pickup of whatever it is that they have. And uh, Guthrie, you usually shop by label, right? Uh, it's They have a good label game. Yes, an excellent label game. Yeah, so uh, you should certainly, if you're in town now, do that. I think, I think Guthrie, you also mentioned that they're doing gift cards. Uh, so if you can't shop there now, but you want to support them, it's easier than ever before. And that's the beer that keeps on drinking i guess yes <laughs> the, the gift card that you can pick up but uh beer mongers has been i would love to see when uh when all of this kind of blows over that uh beer mongers is still alive and well and doing well they've been a great supporter of the show for years ever since we moved in next to them and said hey do you want to give us free drinks um and they said yes which <laughs> they, they didn't just like go hey let me think about it they just right. said yes it's another uh, mark of distinction exactly yeah <laughs> so we we're big fans of the of the beer mongers here and uh I, I recommend that you know you support them near and far far and near yeah and uh tell them we sent you there excellent well i think it's interesting that um they're kind of doing everybody else a solid yeah uh, along with i mean it's it's hard for any business to stay afloat right now that's not you know some of the more essentials which one could argue alcohol might be an essential to some extent like got to hand sanitizer and how much we well, do it right now i mean even even just drinking alcohol you got to get something to get you through the day <laughs> That's true. <laughs> says Aaron Flores. <laughs> it says the person who doesn't drink at all. I know. But I understand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now we all feel um, the same feelings. But yeah, it's gotta be hard for for um for everybody, I think. And I think it's really cool and I think it says something about their caliber, um, that they're willing to be um I don't know magnanimous about it that's right or, yeah or equitable. altruistic yeah to say like yeah you could buy it here but you could also buy it at one of these other shops that is also going to need your money in this time as well yeah and anyone who loves beer knows that you should have more than one <laughs> that's true <laughs> 
yeah it's nice it's been it's been very nice to see a lot of folks in my mind uh being being able and in a place where they're able to step up and and just kind of do stuff like that i think it's yeah very nice to see you know it brings to mind we were talking before we started recording about uh the possibility that maybe not everyone can afford to donate to their favorite podcast and i won't assume that this is your favorite podcast if you're listening but there's a good chance that it might be um and I think there's something to be said for uh, for the donations. Uh, I did want to say that um, I heard a lot of podcasts kind of pitching their own donation stuff right now. And I mean, hey, there are production costs that people have. That's certainly a thing. Uh, we have some production costs. But the thing is, our production costs are pretty low. And when we have extra donations, those after we've paid the bills, uh, those pay Aaron and Guthrie to go out and make the show. Um, and... I mean, you guys have day jobs, so this isn't your bread and butter. It's your beer money, I guess. Um, but uh, so I guess this changes the pitch because I was going to say you don't have to donate if you don't want to. Uh, you know, we we need about fifty bucks a month to pay the bills, um, but that also means that uh, Aaron and Guthrie don't get any beer money. So. I don't know exactly how to bring this back around. Other than <laughs> saying that if you, the listener, are a donor... Well, Aaron doesn't drink where, beer, so... Oh, okay, so there you go. But you like to walk around, right? I do I do like walking around. You some walking around money. I've, I've done more walking around these days than I've done in a yeah. long time. Yeah, so you need more walking around money. Than you <laughs> this isn't helping. <laughs> My pitch is just going to be, if you're in a place of financial hardship and uh, you need to take a pause from your donations... Uh, there's there, you know, that that's fine by me. Um, and so, yeah, I guess just saying like, you know, we, we need to pay the bills and we want to, you know, I want to take care of Aaron and Guthrie and say thank you to them for being the weekly hosts that they are, um, and putting in more work than usual now that we have to figure out a new way to record the show. But, but also, you know, uh, don't break your back. And if, uh, if you're looking for a reason to take a break, do it and come back yeah. when you're able to share again, this, that's I'm- how we all get by in this world. Sure. Um, I am fortunate enough to still be paid through this month. That's right. You're not even working. To go to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> so that's that's really nice. And um, my partner, Anna, who's in the airline industry, is fortunate enough to still have a job. She's not one of the ones that got furloughed or, um, or laid off. So that's cool. Uh, that said, we're pretty set. We're, we got lucky. Uh, I know that there's people out there that aren't so lucky. Some of them may be our listeners. Some of them may be friends of our listeners. And if it's a matter of, you know, donating to us this month versus helping somebody out or even helping yourself out, please help yourself out. Help someone else out. We are doing okay. I mean, Indeed. we appreciate your donations, but we also, Indeed. we also know times are tough right now. Yeah. Yeah. Do the thing that makes the most sense. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and in six months, the most sense will be to come back and give us double your donations. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I kid. I mean, I'm not uh, kidding if you want to, but no, no pressure. I, I was thinking about, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently as well. Um, and just noticing, like, I think I texted some people. I was like screw advertisements on podcasts like i'm just so sick of ads at this point so i'm just thankful um that we're able to do this and you know the beer mongers is a sponsor but they're more just like good friends um we also make the the worst 
ad copy for this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it works. It works because it can't work any other way. Um, However, I have heard multiple people say that they came in from out of town, and the first place they went was the beer market. <laughs> Good. Well, we and enjoy I, telling people that. that. I'm um, okay with that. Yeah. All I would say on my part is, uh, I was surprised to learn that there was any kind of money involved in this anyway. So from day one, I've been okay with uh, doing this gig for free and it remains so. Uh, so just thank you to our listeners, anybody who's tuning in and, uh, you know, getting anything or from yeah. the show. Thanks for listening. Yes. I, That's yeah, right. We really yeah. appreciate it. And we if should, you're looking for a good some, night's yeah. sleep, Casper uh-huh. mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a Casper mattress, and I've never, I've never uh, looked forward to to doing any sort of pitch for them. But I will say, I'm not getting paid. I'm just going to say it's the best mattress I've ever slept on. But now there's like two or three more, including, isn't there a Stumptown mattress company now? There is a Stumptown. Oh, yeah, interesting. And they've got a similar, uh, similar delivery method where they send it to you all compressed in a box, yeah. and you like open yeah. it up. And as Roman Mars says, the uh, what the air rushes in, and the kids delight, or something like that. So sure. yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know that song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they're all made from the same people anyway. Okay, so it's kind of like Pepsi, Coke, Pabst, Rainier. Well, uh, 7-Up, Sprite. That's right. Sprite with ginger. Doesn't matter. Same thing. There is one Portland mattress company that makes locally, totally locally, um, and makes some pretty fine stuff made of cotton, which is Rock Soft Futon on Hawthorne Street. Oh, really? As, as long as we're giving local mattress shout-outs, <laughs> I want to. All right. I want to shout them out. Um, they make futons in their uh, warehouse, which is just down the street on Hawthorne. And when you order a mattress, you wait an hour, they make it, and then you go pick it up. Um, I don't know what they're doing during these times, but if you need an awfully wait, nice... they make a mattress in an hour? Yeah, yeah. They, they've got wow. their stuff together. Um, they just make the futons kind of like on the spot. Um, it sounds like they do have it together. That's incredible. No, yeah, that's and amazing. Not, not How have I that, never but, heard of this? You know, for what they are, they're exceptionally affordable. Um, and I've been very happy with their futons as mattresses. So that's I'll nice. Put it out there. <laughs> so I, I got a question for both of you. Uh, what do you sleep on at home? And what do you sleep on when you're traveling? <clears throat> I sleep on a futon when I'm at home. There's one called a. <laughs> Uh, Shiki Shikiburo. Uh, basically, it's like a mini one, so it's about like the size of your body. It's about it's basically like a futon that's the size of a uh, thermarest pad. It's basically mm, a okay. camp pad. So it's like a full thickness futon, but only for one person size. Yeah, it's like um, it's just over maybe two and a half feet across. Okay, but works great. Big enough to make out on, but not big enough to share. Something like that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it smells. It smells like cotton, and uh, it's a, it's it's a pleasant experience. Nice. And Aaron, what do you currently sleep on? Currently, we have a memory foam mattress. What brand? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Are you sure it's not a Casper? I I'm not sure. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's probably not just because we wouldn't shell out for Casper money. Sure. Yeah. I am fortunate enough to have grown up um, doing various uh, summer activities that have landed me sleeping in various types of situations. And so when I'm out, I can sleep on just about anything. It, I mean, I, 
when I was in college, I actually got rid of the mattress in college and then just slept on the flat plywood platform. That nice. I was going to ask if we could talk about yes. that because you did that Please. long after college as well. And then, yes. And then I yeah. just kept doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you loved the plywood. Pretty much until I um, got with Anna. Um, my she doesn't love the plywood. She's she's not a fan of I I tried <laughs> I tried, but <laughs> um, love conquers almost. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you can hear her yelling at me. About oh, I can. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Uh, ever my foil. I love you. You'll be yeah, home soon. <laughs> I love you. Get a room. <laughs> you, you guys uh, didn't see that study about okay. uh, divorce gonna... rates rising in COVID-infected countries, did you? This, uh, Is that right? <laughs> I mean, this somewhat makes sense. Yeah, that's not that's not a personal reflection. I'm just saying it would make sense, right? Well, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got we're not really drinking that home. much alcohol, but we sure are laughing a lot. Uh, we're doing okay. This is this is uh, yeah, this is beer talk, right? Yeah, um, this is the corn syrup talking. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, Guthrie, what do you sleep on when you are traveling? Um. Whatever is available and usually like an air mattress um, if I'm doing the bike camp and stuff. I like floors. I like carpet, like nice deep carpet is kind of the funnest to just kind of lay down on flat and fall asleep. Um, are we talking uh, shag carpet or are we talking just kind of like a nice full curl carpet? Uh, either. I think shag would be okay. fine. Because um, I feel like sag tends to mat down a bit, like it's got more substance, but it may not be as uh, I don't know as, as uh, buoyant as other forms of carpet. Yeah, I I just I'm thinking back to like one of my most favorite sleeping experiences on a bike trip that wasn't a uh, air mattress, and the shag carpet comes to mind at okay, a yeah. at a little spot down near the border of Arizona and California. Um, nice. They had very nice shag carpet. <laughs> Yeah, and it's softer than like bare floor, right? Yeah. Unless you like that sort of thing. Well, and it was kind of in like a um, refrigerator room and like the freezer room. So they go out to get like, uh, you know, beer or popsicles or something. And we just uh-huh. kind of set up and it was nice because it was open to the outside. So the chickens would come in and say hi. Like, yeah, oh, chickens and shag carpet together. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was cozy. Yeah, that's great. No, that's interesting. Uh, what What's your air mattress when you are bike camping? Um, I have been using the Thermarest Neo Air. Uh, it's one I picked up like back in 2011, and okay, um, I've been frankly surprised it hasn't <clears throat> broken yet. I've never come out right. to like endorse them as a brand. In fact, uh, there's some stuff about them I don't like as well. Uh, but this mattress has really held together. And um, when I was the doing... mattress is not one of those things. What's that? <laughs> The mattress is not one of those things you don't like. No, the mattress is good. Their their <laughs> okay. customer support can be a little bit um oh, okay. slow, <laughs> I guess is the word. Gotcha. But yeah. Uh, I as mean far if as... you sold something that could be deflated, would you want to be customer service? I would th- I would think not. <laughs> I so I think you could go two ways about it. I think you yeah. I think I view that more as like an opportunity in disguise because if you can win at that right. game, people are gonna buy right. your mattresses. Seriously, you could sell anything. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm a fan of, uh, yeah, just that kind of um, support in products. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Support. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? My Supernova Dynamo died in a car trip and they overnighted one from Germany. And like, wow. I, didn't, I didn't even ask for one. I just Overnight. said, hey, I wanted to like send you a report because water got in the casing and they're like, bloop, here you go. Um, well, that should not have happened. Yeah, <laughs> that well, is not but overly. also that'll that'll make me remember if I ever get a Dynamo yeah. again. Uh, that'll make re- sure. me remember one company in particular. Yeah. Um, sorry, uh, I totally er- tangented this. Nah, I'm just nah, going off in the weeds. Uh, well, the weeds are a good place to sleep too, actually. Ooh, yeah. And if I don't have, uh, I actually don't have an inflatable mattress right now. I use the kind of the what are they called, like the egg crate foam. Uh, Thermo Rest has uh, like a, a folding mat. It's about mm-hmm. five feet long or something, uh, or maybe maybe it's six feet. I'm trying to remember now. It's it's just long enough for me to kind of be on top of when I'm a little bit curled up, um, and it's not the half length. It's like the full length. Um, but one of the reasons I got that one was because it was on sale at Next Adventure, and Next Adventure is one of the cool uh, local Portland out, outfitting companies. Um, mm-hmm. But they had like uh, like factory second stuff on sale, and so there was like wh- I think one of the ends was like cut at an angle; it was the wrong cut, and so they couldn't sell it at full price. But they did sell it as kind of like a factory second, and so I got it for half off, and it still did everything it was supposed to do. Um, I think I had inflatable mattresses for one or two or maybe three years of uh, bike camping back when we really got into it back like oh nine, ten, eleven. Um, but I ended up stopping. I, I just didn't use. I, I tried to replace uh, the mattress a couple times because it kept on getting leaks. And I tried to do the patch thing that they tell you to try, um, but uh, it just like I, I think it was. It seemed like it was coming out like uh, like the the bubbles were smaller than champagne bubbles mm. <laughs> when I submerged the thing in the bathtub mm-hmm. to try and find the leak. And so it seemed like it was just leaking from everywhere, and I couldn't tell if that was because. I don't know. There's there a couple of reasons, a couple of theories I had. One was that like my feet were all gross and uh, they like just kind of scraped up the, the end that was leaking or something when, when I was taking it on the road. Um, and the other one was that I didn't wrap it up in any sort of protective casing. So maybe, I don't know, there, there's all sorts of possibilities, but I just got tired of dealing with leaks. Yeah, And totally. the same reason that I got super burly tires on my bike, so I never had to change, uh, which I think, Guthrie, did you say you just did that? Yeah, we're running the uh, marathon ultra marathon plus yeah. right now yeah and don't uh, Aaron, don't you also have like super thick tires um currently i don't i have okay the, well they've been they've been treating me really well and they so knock on wood uh i have the surly extraterrestrials on there um, okay they're sort of a all-rounder but they kind of market themselves as a little bit more supple of a tire Yeah. Yeah. If I could use that phrase. Um, but I swear up and down by marathons for anything really. Right. Yeah. Uh, The Brompton has marathons on it. Uh, at one point when we were building the fat bike, we wanted to see if there was a marathon in, in three and a half inch. There isn't, but we wanted one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I got tired of uh, dealing with with leaks, you know, both yeah. in tires and in yeah. my pad, and so I ended up just getting the kind of the the waffle foam, <clears throat> and uh, I've been using that, and that combined with like, if you can if you can lay down on vegetation and not like be an environmental hazard, like there, there are times when I would do that, and there are times when I would not. 
if I'm in like a manicured campground that just happens to have some tall grass, that's a great place to throw your tent because you're not hurting the environment any. Uh, and it's a great way to keep uh, the, the hips off the ground. That's yeah. usually where I feel it the most is kind of in the hips. Um, you- and I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to ask, has anybody ever tried uh, hammock camping? Ooh, I want to. I have not. Okay. Um, I like that idea. It's mostly mostly in that um, the the sort of the the hammock tents that are out there are a little bit beyond my what I'm willing to pay for a camping. That's the same reason for me. Yep. Um, I mean, I know like you could conceivably also just get any old hammock and tie it up. I suppose. Right. It would just be heavy as shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 There definitely seems like. I I like had heard about it, but I was kind of looking into it recently, um, <clears throat> and I have no yeah. It's just a world I don't know anything about. Yeah. Uh, so I felt like totally out of my depth when I was researching it. Uh, it seems like there's some interesting ones where they ha- it's called like the lay, and so they're uh, diagonal cut, which means that you can lay uh, pretty flat across like an off axis of how there's the like no hammock strung. effect. Yeah. Uh, oh. and so it results in like a relatively decent sleep, which is like, right. I could never conceive of myself sleeping well in a hammock, uh, until I kind of <laughs> saw that and I was like, Oh, interesting. Uh, I guess I would have pegged you Guthrie as a hammock guy. I don't know why necessarily. Yeah. Just like, it seems like the sort of thing that you'd be super into. I think it's for the same reason Aaron was saying It's just more like <laughs> I had already invested in a tent or something like that. And just like, it, I, I don't need a tent and a hammock. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they they. I was I was curious, you know, because like you don't know kind of what you get for what you pay for in that either. I they've felt expensive, but then I was looking compared to tents recently, and it seems like maybe they've come down. Um, but okay. I haven't looked in like over a decade, so I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. I was just curious if any of you guys yeah. had tried that because um, I've I've never no. tried it. I've kind of been curious. I like the idea of of doing that. I think the biggest trick with that is that if you're sleeping in, in weather that's anywhere close to cold, you have to think about insulation. Right. Um, because you can lose oh. a lot of heat out of the bottom of the hammock and, uh, you can, you can work with that. Like you can get, what's the emergency sleeping bag. It's like foil Biffy? or like oh, an emergency yeah. life support bag where you just like keep your heat in by wrapping yourself in this foil material. Pull I think you Eric can Ivy. set up your hammock with kind of uh, one of those things. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about like all the, all the different thing. Like you, it's just, uh, you have to. You have to come up with uh, a number of other solutions for things that ordinarily are taken care of by the ground. Yeah, um, that, but yeah. but also the idea that you're not going to have to worry about where you're going to have room for your your tent, right? Like the footprint of the tent is sometimes a thing, uh, and finding enough flat ground to sleep comfortably at night. Like I'm not, uh, I, I don't have to be perfectly flat. And I don't have to be perfectly level, but I don't want to. I want to make sure there's no root balls or anything that are going to stick yeah. up into my back or that sort of thing. So. The other thing that I was thinking about um, as far as things I'd like to try was like a really ultralight cot. Because um, again, I don't need it to be super soft, but if I can get my hips off the ground, that's usually the part that, that I find the most pain in if I haven't had a bad night sleeping. And I know there there was there used to be like one cheap ultralight cot you could get. It was like relatively cheap. It was like 400 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think that it's a thing that, you know, it's the same sort of aluminum tubing you'd have on a tent frame. 
you can set up, have a pretty solid uh, frame that holds you off the ground and it wouldn't add that much weight to your setup. And so I'm thinking like, I'd like to try something like that someday. Yeah. Like it's no more heavy than like a crazy Creek champing camping chair or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And basically the same type of structure. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Aaron, I don't think we found out what do you sleep on when you travel? When I'm camping? Yeah. Um, I also have a thermal wrist, like the eggshell kind. Uh, okay. And it's sort of the same, the same reason why, you know, I swear by marathon tires and the same reason that you mentioned is just getting tired of trying to find leaks that you try, you patch one and then another one appears a little bit later. Totally. Uh, I've also never bought a new one of, <laughs> of those. So, you know, it was really only a matter of time. Uh, and when it comes to like comfort versus durability, I will sacrifice a certain level of comfort or even packability versus dirt, you know, for something to that's going to last. Yeah. For something that's going to last a while. Um, I, uh, that said, I, I'm pretty impressed with how comfortable the thermo rest really is. It doesn't look on the offset. It doesn't look all that comfortable, but they do. Good no, work. I like it. Yeah. 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 Those are, uh, like when you're doing snow camping or winter camping, it's usually good to have one anyway. Uh, cause if you're oh, yeah. depending on air and then that air goes nowhere, like boom, you're a safety hazard yep. to yourself. Uh, so it's <laughs> always good to start with the, the foam. Cause yeah, you just really cannot go wrong with that. <laughs> um, I haven't done much snow camping recently, but, uh, that was always like my biggest fear was my mat going, uh, out <laughs> during like a yep. snow camp. And, uh, back then I, couldn't really get to uh <laughs> so that was just kind of how it went i think there was a sale on or something like that um, yeah but my biggest fear around snow camping is going snow camping oh yeah <laughs> i love snow camping you guys I, I, like I wish i've done it a few here. times i've done it a few times nice. uh, as a kid i mean you know michigan we actually have real winters where the ground freezes right. mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> one of the things that we always did whenever we set up a tent was to dig up all the snow first before setting up your tent. Mm. Just like find the ground below it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. then put your ground cloth down and then sure. Then put your tent up. Cause the only time I ever went snow camping, we like, we went to a place where it was like, I don't know, like five feet of snow or something had accumulated. And so there was no, no finding the ground. And oh, I nah. really didn't bring enough. Like I was, I was in the Iverson situation of like, I don't have enough stuff. I'm going to sleep in the emergency sleeping bag. And I think I had brought that actually thinking that it would be like my, my solution. Uh, and it was just like, I was so cold, did not have the right gear. Um, and I think it was near Mount hood. We had gone up there with some friends. It was Trillium Lake mm-hmm. and, uh, or is it Trillium or what's the Tim- Timothy's the other it was Trillium Lake is the one. Um, and, uh, so I, <laughs> I woke up like in the morning, like at three or four in the morning and it was just like so cold. And I was just close enough to the mountain to get like cell signal or something. Like I, I had like, you know, one bar of something. So I just started live tweeting, waking up in the cold at snow camping. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was what I did for the next several hours. So yeah, yeah that, uh, that no, early like morning wake up. Doing it with those are yeah, those are tough. <laughs> the right gear, it really like if I had the right stuff, I would do it again. It's just I don't. I know that I don't have the right stuff, and I won't have it for some time. So. Gotcha. Yeah, it's hard to be. It, you got to kind of choose your angle into it. It's true. 
Well, hey, thanks for uh, having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we dive into some news and headlines? Do you want to hang around oh, for that, sure. Brock? I would love to read some news. Alrighty. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, thanks for listening to us shoot the shit, everybody. Um, the Three Amigos back again. That's right. I I want to ask, Guthrie, what is exactly that map behind you? Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, so I put a link to it in the show notes, um, and maybe we could put it up on the post as well. But I am on the email list for City Lab, and one of the writers for City Lab was talking about maps and a feeling of uh, space and uh, needs maps and community maps and that type of deal and how I think there was a program back in the 1980s or 90s that was an initiative that was started uh, to get community members to think of their place and to map it um, in a form of like, this is where we gather as a community and here are like the stores that have been in the neighborhood uh, that support that community and just kind of on a more social note. Um, so they were encouraging people to make maps of their world in this current time and to send them in. I didn't send mine in because it's not very good, uh, but I was inspired to make it. So I thought I would share on uh, kind of like a transit yeah. note. Um, and for it's our listeners... It's not that bad. I think you should share it. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll probably do a V2 and share it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use a slightly different color for the heat mapping. But I tried to do... Uh, so I have, for our listeners, if, if you're not able to look at the map for some reason, um, it basically has our house um, with the floor that we're on and then... Every place I've been in the last week or two relative to uh, where I spend most of my time. And so there's a huge heat dot in the room, which is the same room I'm recording this right now. um, Because I spend a lot of time just uh, here working on computer stuff. And um, extends out to about 30 blocks on the east and about uh, 10 blocks north to south. Um, So a a shrinkage of the world, um, but kind of neat in map form. So yeah, if anybody's listening, I think the... the, um, invitations are still out there and maybe we could put a link if you too want to create a place map uh and submit it to city lab nice it's interesting it, uh your map only extends like a few blocks west yep i haven't really been past mlk on the west right on. Um, go west young man what's go that west. he goes he goes east yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah just uh just getting to know the neighborhood i've been i've been making crow friends right today yeah, they've I like been active. Glad, they've been active yeah. today. They have been. It's been a good day for crows. We we had one talking to us on our walk. What did it say? Caw. <laughs> <laughs> did it did it bob its head up and down, or was it was it like a hard caw it, or a it soft did caw? The, it did the the thing. It like did one of those like cocked its head left. Uh-huh. Yeah, cocked its head at us. It was on the on the branch above us. Caw. Yeah, talking to us as we were walking up, and then like as we passed, it like cocked its head at us. Oh, nice! Yeah, you, you guys should befriend it. We were we were dressed all in black, so maybe he just thought we were like <laughs> giant crows. Where nice. are your beaks? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wanted tips on like you know where the best scavenging was. <laughs> I was um, watched a documentary on crows last night, and it got me super excited there yeah. i know that we probably like we always talk about how crows are so smart but like crows are so smart <laughs> incredibly smart yeah. they're exceptional um birds they're like the 
like they don't have the largest brain size of any bird uh the parrot has a larger brain but the crow just pretty much every step of the way ranks the highest on the uh like knowledge and intelligence capacity for uh, birds as a species the only non-primate animal that can also make tools like improvised yeah did you did you know how crazy that gets uh, there's a certain species that can that is known to actual improvise like from other tools they can create a tool that they know like, yeah. from other items yeah yeah I can't remember the name of that particular species it's uh, found in a um, I think it's on an island off of New Zealand and it's a yes. much smaller crow than we have here uh, they devised like a study where it has to get an object like off of a string and then get another object out of a cage to then be able to have a long enough object to get in to get its food. It's just like, uh, and, th- and they're like chimpanzees can't even like demonstrate this kind of like logical uh, reasoning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This type of sweet. connection. So yeah, I've been, I've been trying to make crow friends. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. <laughs> I keep getting sidetracked. Uh, we should get to the news here. Sure. <laughs> or the uh, calendar, Which, whichever you want. Um, sure. What do we have on the calendar that, that we know of? Um, I left the events in and then, so we're, we're switching up the calendar just a tiny bit this week. Um, we're just trying to figure out like, what's the best balance of events that are happening versus events that we don't know when they will be happening. Uh, so we've and optimism. Yes. And optimism. Well, and it's kind of a neat opportunity as well to, um, so what we've decided is to basically only announce calendar dates that are after or, or that are in July or after. Um, right. Just kind of in recognition of the best guess we have for what's going on right now. Again, that optimism part, um, but cautious optimism. Sure. Um, and then we're using that space to also highlight one of our... Um, reoccurring events and so instead of just kind of rambling through all of the thursdays fridays second sundays um, we thought it would be a nice opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth about each of them um, kind of remind people what they're about and to uh, showcase and highlight those events as they will be coming back online is there a ride that has something to do with crows uh <laughs> there is a ride that has something yes, to do with crows you want we should do that one this week caca 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 <laughs> Um, so oh. May 9th, we have the Mohawk, or March, April, May, June, July, July 11th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the last 500, uh, fifth, first annual August 15th is Swift Summit 200, 100. August 16th is the Swift Summit Northwest Hill Climb. And our showcase this week is every second Sunday of every month right here in Portland, Oregon. That would be the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. Ka-ka! 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 <laughs> and uh brock and aaron may be able to elaborate we we've got a little special something coming up with the corvidai bike club ride if i recall yeah they're gonna come back on uh, this was scheduled you know before we cut out of the studio but um we're still gonna have them on as we are still recording and we're still making shows um uh, and they have some exciting uh plans coming up on the horizon and we'll be talking about that uh upcoming film by bike tour dates uh we have mm-hmm. september 4th for alvdal norway 
October 23rd for Sacramento, California, and January 23rd of 2021 of Boise, Idaho. Right on. Now for... Now oh. for I'm not playing the sounder, should I? Should oh I? no, you don't have to. Oh, okay. Sweet. Uh put it All right. So headlines. Warm showers launches a new podcast and a bike giveaway. Uh from warmshowers.org, we are excited to announce we are launching a new podcast called the Bike Life Podcast. Look for our announcement in April when the show is live. In the meantime. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Guthrie, looking at you. Uh, Taver Lee, our fearless leader and women woman behind the scenes, will show will host the show along with board member Donna Price and the occasional guest host. We will be featuring the stories, experience, and tools for our touring cyclists and hosts. Do you have a story to share? We would love to hear from you. Please use the link provided to complete a guest application. And I would suspect that people yeah. listening to the Sprocket podcast, at least some of you out there, have done some sort of travel and would probably be a good candidate for this. Some passing familiarity with uh, with warm showers. Yeah. I've been wanting to get them on the show for forever. So oh, maybe yeah. when they launch their podcast, we should ask them if they want to come and talk yeah. about <gasps> what they're up to. That'd be super fun. I would love to talk with those folks. Yeah, I'll, I'll write an email. Sweet. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I've, I've, I've done a lot of warm showers. <laughs> well, it's a super cool system. And it's it's one of those, like, I mean, the idea that it's kind of tailor-made. Uh, well, Aaron, uh, we stayed with a warm showers host on the Crater Lake trip. The first leg, yeah. Yeah, in Sio. Yeah. Oh, nice. That was, that was a pretty cool time. Um, yeah. That, as of today, is still my my only warm shower ex- experience but the thing i remember most about that was uh the original agreement was to just put a tent up in their backyard right and they're like here and, take take these guest rooms yeah and and then they they also fed us right which you know, wasn't part of the deal not, necessarily not right? part not of not the expectation whatsoever yeah, yeah that but was really cool of them part of part of the wonderful things that sometimes happen when you do warm showers yeah. Reciprocal hospitality. Oh yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, let's reach out to them. Thanks for, thanks for getting that email, Brock. I've signed up for their, uh, their list, I guess. So no trouble. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, we have from bike Portland, Chris Smith turns up the heat. That's our headline by the way. Yes. Uh, who's that? Chris Smith. Oh, that wasn't bike Portland that wrote that headline. Oh, you no, I, I headline. headline mine, Chris Smith, <laughs> turns up the heat. <laughs> I, I, I'm just paraphrasing However, the headline. <laughs> the headline yeah. is, after OTC vote, <laughs> Metro candidate Chris Smith calls for a new highway governance model. <laughs> Hence, yes. turning up the heat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Crank it, Chris. <laughs> so I read this article um, and it's it's a little bit wonky and it's it's pretty portland centric in in the specifics of it but i think there's the general grasp of how um sort of highways and highway funding um can kind of uh circumvent due process due process isn't the right word public process and it's probably the same in wherever you are listening to 
in the US. But Guthrie, do you want to kind of talk more about the specific um, headline itself for this article? Sure. Um, yeah, it was basically a news article on an announcement uh, that Chris made uh, in regards to the dismissal of choosing to do a full environmental impact statement yeah. uh, in favor of an environmental assessment, or which is which very different uh, and a completely different standard from each other. Uh, so advocates, community members, individuals affected by this are just kind of like dismayed over the fact that uh, ODOT is choosing to continue to go through with this plan. And so Chris is essentially saying, hey, you know, if uh, this is a elected commission that is appointed directly by the governor. Uh, we need to remove the authority from this council to make decisions that impact Portland's roadways in this fashion. And right. this is just a continuation of the long kind of push and pull for local control versus state control for um, certain ODOT highways that run through Portland. Um, and Oregon's Department of Transportation wants to make the freeway bigger. Uh, but yes. they don't want to know what it's going to do to the environment. Yeah, that and I think so, also... So we, so we see. Yes, yes. Um, and then also on a bigger level of, you know, not choosing to do safety enhancements on Powell Boulevard. Uh, I think it's just kind of a continuation of that sentiment from, o yeah. from or Oregon Department of Transportation. Um, and so Chris is advocating that it uh, doesn't have, or that that body doesn't have the authority anymore for them to... Uh, overrule decisions in such a fashion. So it, it sparked a really interesting debate. If anybody is curious to see some different viewpoints on it, uh, Chris was very active in the comment section. Yeah, um, I was I was really pleased to like hear some or read some of his comments. Um, usually I, I steer clear of the comment section of any news article, but especially a Bike Portland article. Uh, I love Bike Portland articles. I just can't handle the comment section sometimes <laughs> uh, chris smith is he's admitted that he's very good at sitting in uh, meetings full of people who uh, have uh, bad bad polity right <laughs> and being able to <laughs> yeah. kind of work to work to make them see reason and uh, if he's good at that he certainly deserves a vote i would say but i'm glad he's there uh, clearing things up and turning up the heat yeah um i think one of the one of the things he said was essentially you know if um if the the people currently in power are are willing to just sort of let ODOT um, kind of walk over them, and that those are my words, not his, uh, then maybe it's time for uh, Metro to take control and not the city. Yeah, and he um, also went one layer past that in pointing out that the Metro council itself voted today to support the project with an additional 129 million and so that's part of right. what he is running for on his platform is uh more people in metro council that would choose not to do that uh as opposed right. to putting it through um so yeah it's very very yeah, exciting time no, for local portland politics yeah and he's really putting it on sort of the the um for lack of a better term the the green talk that a lot of uh people running for various offices or have run for various offices uh, uh, use. And uh, he, he's saying like, this is not, this is not climate consciousness. This is not, this is not working towards a better uh, um, 
you know, I, I don't know what am I, what am I trying to say? This is not, this is not um, trying to fix sort of the climate crisis that we, that we are finding ourselves in. Uh, this is actually exacerbating it. So, you know, it's time to get people who are really going to work towards that in those positions. He's yeah. not just uh, talking the green talk. He's also no. walking the green yeah. walk. And I mean, he's, he's been walking it for yeah. as long as I've known of his existence. For sure. Yeah. yeah decades. Um, it's interesting on, so just to go policy, uh, maybe policy wonk. Uh, I thought one of the most interesting comments brought up in the comments or one of the most interesting things brought up in the comments section was uh, just talking about a shift because this project, like we've been talking relatively like local Portland, uh, but it could serve as a precedent for other cities and state governance. Yeah. Uh, there's not really an example of this exact type of thing happening between a state and a city um, body, at least to my knowledge. And so one of the interesting comments was talking about sort of a difference in how freeway development and urban versus rural development is considered at the state level. And the 60s model being that of, you know, build it through the metro. Uh, And I haven't seen these studies directly. They were referenced in some of the comments, and I'd be very interested to learn more. that newer projections and models actually show that it's much more efficient to run them uh, on the outsides of cities. And in my mind, uh, I can see that being the way it's going, it does raise some very large equity issues for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it, yeah, it's just a very interesting uh, conversation that's happening. If, uh, if you're into that kind of stuff. Right on. Well, and as always, I I wish Chris the best of luck. Um, even if he doesn't get this position, I'm I know he's still going to be working hard uh, and fighting for climate change. Yeah, rock on, Chris! Thank you so much for yeah. being part of the show. And uh, yay! That's right. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, speaking of of corrections. Uh, oh wait, sh- is that our last? That is our last news. Okay. Yeah, that was our last bit of news there. All right. Um, in from the mail, we have a correction from David N. Thank you, David, for sending us oh, yeah. a uh, letter. We always appreciate being corrected because we like learning when we're wrong. Um, he says it is Dorset, not Denmark. And this is a link to the nursingtimes.net article about uh, nurses in Dorset trying out e-bikes. Oh, right. Because he had mentioned in, in when he was on the show, it was Denmark. Ah. And it is not. It is Dorset, not Denmark. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you, David. Um, that's very much appreciated. It's not as far off as it could have been, right? <laughs> right potato potato <laughs> um next up from jay leco um tubolito not your normal tube a super lightweight inner tube for your bike he asks us have we had any experience with these i've never heard about these until he sent that link on the mail um have either of you followed that link i have i have not it it looks interesting i'm wondering what it's made of can you describe what it was 
Uh, well, so it's a it's an inner tube, and they're they're sort of marketing themselves as like the most durable inner tube, sort of a a, a flat resistant inner tube. Um, okay, you know you have all these flat protection tires. Well, now we've made up this flat protection. And lightweight is another is another selling point. Yeah, um, so it's not flat just protected. flat resistant by being thicker because that's I've got some tubes that are like just like the biggest thickest inner tubes you've ever seen. Sure, the box is like twice as big as your standard box because <laughs> there's just more rubber in there. Right, but that's not what this is. That's not what this is. It's not okay. made of that same kind of rubber that uh, that uh, most inner tubes are made from. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing is that it's hard to tell without really using it is this marketing or is this uh is this really the next you know the revolution in uh why is it strong because we say it is yeah yeah you know i mean just to to get at jay's uh question um it they appear like slicker and shinier um but yeah i mean already i'm suspicious then yeah it's orange (laughs) it's it's orange so you you know you know it's good oh well yeah Tim Mooney's probably got a whole collection of them. <laughs> yeah, we should get the we should get the rundown from Tim. <laughs> he'll, he'll know what's up. Um, no, I'm curious. I haven't seen these around any bike shops, so maybe I'll ask the next time I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious as to as to what they are and and how how they would play. Um, but unless it's, you know, I'd be willing to to give it a try to like buy it to try it out unless it's like significantly more expensive than a tube it it says in which case then i'll just i'll just buy a tube i'm fine (laughs) yeah that would be that definitely one of them to keep an eye out for it says on their website that uh, they're up to 100 grams lighter and i just did the conversion to math so that's 0.22 pounds lighter which is almost a quarter of a pound yeah it's that's definitely something if you're comparing it against uh like the more traditional like that's fat. significant yeah. yeah or the extra thick tubes um how much I don't does know a how tube much the regular way like durable ones weigh yeah that's uh, uh i never thought of them as being more than a pound oh, hold on i i've got our tubes out actually because i was oh yeah organizing our bike Do you have a kitchen Ooh, scale nice. uh tools uh no but okay you would have the weight on the box probably or you could read know. a model number and we could check it hang on <laughs> just googling uh, how much how much does this tube weigh usually we do this sure. before the show but you know what jay just for you we're gonna do it this is golden live. content absolutely because <laughs> well i feel like yeah we're, we're at our bike shops we're all at home so we've got the that's power. right exactly we'll, we'll never be closer to the answer than we are now <laughs> i'm wait, i'm always waiting for somebody to make a counter that's like number of references sprocket has made to looking something up but never follows through with <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm you trying know, to bring that number down. Is... <laughs> well, as Mark Marin says, why Google when you can speculate? That's yeah. right. <laughs> so, this is a Schwalbe 26 inch, um, and I don't see a weight marking on them. Oh, so there's no, there's nothing marked. Yep. When you hold it in your hand, does uh, it feel like it's more or less than a pound? I would say it's about a pound. Okay, that's interesting. It's more that's um, heavier than I would expect them to be usually, I guess. But this is a Continental. Okay. Um, Twenty-six, forty millimeter. You got one in one hand, one in the other. Definitely, the Schwalbe is heavier. 
Okay. That is that no surprise. Stacks so. out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was checking for extra thick tubes. I know a local bike uh, vendor gets theirs in bulk, but it's a rebrand, so it's always hard to search for their weights on things. Um, but Bell makes a extra durable tube that says the packaged weight is one pound. So oh, it sounds like okay. we can safely assume that if the claims it's about a pound, right? Yeah, you save about a quarter of a pound then on the so this uh, this other the brands. Yeah, this yeah exactly yeah. So it's like 0.75, three quarters of pound. Sweet. Well, there, Two penny. there we go. We've, we've gotten <laughs> as far as we're getting on that one today. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wait, we no. Aaron got, Aaron got another here's, thing. Here's our kitchen scale. Oh, oh you nice. do have a kitchen scale. Okay, there we yes. go. So, this is why people are still listening. Yeah. Let's turn around here. Does this mean we're easily it, distracted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it means we're focused well, on the is, task. Well, oh, yeah, okay. this is what happens when you don't have a studio. Yeah, right. You're <laughs> like, let me just go, go on over and grab this. <laughs> it's, yep. it's right over here. <laughs> I'm at home. I just grab whatever. Uh, hey, I dig it. So the Schwalbe is 7.6 ounces. Okay. Ounces. Ounces. So, I don't know how many ounces. That's is what, a little less than half a pound? Many ounces is in a pound? I don't uh, 16. Know. Okay. If we're talking imperial so, measurements. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. And it's weight, not volume. Ooh. Ooh. Really? What? Well, I'll be darned. The Conti is 7.8. Oh, yeah? So it's heavier than the Schwalbe? Apparently. Interesting. That's that Schwalbe. And which of those would you say is the more durable? Um, well, because I'm a sucker to marketing, the Schwalbe. <laughs> Just because we weigh bike tubes doesn't mean we're friends. <laughs> hey, you know, if it's the only tube you ever use, how can you be wrong? <laughs> right. Um, I've never seen a tube that's better than it. <laughs> well, so I'm looking up a um, width to see if either of these are, are any bigger than the other, but they're, they're that's negligible. Like they're are both we certain, within the same range of each other. Yeah. Are we certain that the scale had a correct tear weight? Uh, yes. I okay. Would. All right. Good. We ask the just asking, just checking. Uh, that, uh, that's fine. Yeah. We've question, question the methodology. That's it's totally okay. That's, <laughs> I, that's I can how science it. happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling the science right now. <laughs> <laughs> super sciencey in here sweet well jay um thanks for writing in and hopefully if nothing else that was entertaining and possibly even helpful <laughs> to answering your question uh thanks dear listeners would you like us to uh to procure household objects <laughs> and do your science tests for you please write in this rocket podcast at gmail.com Yes, I have plenty of baking soda and lemon juice. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> nice. Should I go get the ukulele now? <laughs> <laughs> Just well, kidding. I should probably, okay. I should probably head out soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, you you got a family to go home to. Well, we do have... I'm already home. I just need to go to them. Oh. We've got one more piece of mail. Uh, this this oh. piece of mail is from our guest last week. And I'll uh, turn up the mic. Hey, Aaron and Guthrie, it's Mac Nurse David. I was um, listening back through the episode when I came on and got to the part about uh, cars and their hackability and realized that I said something really dumb. I said that you're, it's not like you're going to re the fuel injection. 
turns out that that's actually one of the few things that you can buy equipment for to do to your car to change how the fuel mix is going. So that was a really bad example. Hopefully we don't get a lot of hate mail about that. And it made me look really not smart. Um, anyway, hope you guys are staying safe. David, you're and super smart. Don't worry about it. Yes. The fact that you are willing to call us and let our, all of us and the listeners know makes you just the most stand-up kind of smart I can think of. As Aaron would say, it takes a big man to admit <laughs> that you're wrong. That's right. <laughs> it was great having you on uh, last week, and thanks, thanks for joining. We look forward to it again. Well, before we read our outro, Brock, as, a, as our guest, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. Are you going to give me the, have, the power that you shouldn't yes. give me? Do you, do you have, a, do you have a, a, a style in which we should um, read these? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Do you remember as a kid when you're playing with like something that's supposed to be a mechanical toy? It's like a, you know, like a truck or a car or a motorcycle or whatever. You mm-hmm. do the uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to oh. do it in that style. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. You are going to hear a lot of laughing in the background. <laughs> that's why I asked. <laughs> that, that's why right. he wanted to be on tonight. I it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. My ulterior motive has finally been laid bare. Um all right. I'm I'm ready. Alrighty. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at X-Ray FM Studios thanks to generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Call or text 503-479-774. Twitter and the Instagram at sprocketpodcast. <laughs> Thanks to join <laughs> Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hardbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norvin for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, Caroline, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Wise, Todd Parker, Dan Gephardt, who's a time traveler? Time traveler? Dave knows. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley. Peter Bartajar, Matt Markolo, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna who's across the room from me. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G G G. Guthrie Straw, who is on my screen, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Rory Granary. Campsite, Magnus David, Nathan Poulton, Roy in Michigan, Michael Flournoy. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman, Here you go, EJ Fenneran, Brad Hipwell, 
Thomas Kiddo, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, Mike Carson Publishing, David Moore, Todd Grossbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Sean Bear, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, Marshall, Philip Adams, Spartan Day, no relation. Mr. T, never really left. Like initiative, key or not? Sergey. Adam D, go diggle. Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy. Myra Martinez, also. Isaac M, David C, and our newest donor, 503, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs> Apparently, Anna was. Filming me this whole time, so <laughs> I guess we'll see this on the last, Instagram. The last part of it, we'll have oh, to do it man. again. <laughs> He'll catch it on the recording. Oh, there we go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I was trying to take a screenshot, and I uh, oh, you lost everything. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, well, that's all good right. work, you guys. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Good, that was good, that good was suggestion. very, very good and very specific. <laughs>